Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I am here today with Bev Barnes. She's a master life coach, a coach mentor, and coach instructor. She holds a master's degree in psychoeducation and graduate training in career counseling and brief and strategic therapy. She's worked in the corporate world, in the education sector, and extensively with First Nations communities in Northern Quebec. Welcome to the show, Bev. Hi, Tori. Nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. So Supermom is Getting Tired is a Q&A podcast. So I have questions that people write in and then I get to answer them. And this one, I thought it would be fun to have your input <laughs> for this sure. question I received today. So that's what I thought of you. You were one of my brilliant teachers when I was going through life coach training. And I know you specialize in helping people find their soul's calling. And so, and this is one of my favorite things to coach on. I mean, like, I don't know, why do you think it's so fun when people come to the call and they're like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Like, why is it so much fun? (laughs) Well, for me, it's fun because what that means, I don't know what I want to do with my life is what that means is they don't see themselves. And those are my favorite people, right? They don't see themselves. They may be, and usually they're amazing and brilliant, but they're usually hiding, doing other stuff, making other people happy, being super successful in whatever they're doing, but it's not fulfilling for them. And they know that there's something they want to do. And so it's that that edge of knowing there's something else you want to do and not knowing what that is to me is so exciting because you know that inevitably you're going to have the opportunity to help those people see how amazing they are. I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world, right? Is to help people to actually take a look <laughs> and see how incredible they are and recognize, oh, I have something. I got me. Poor little me. <laughs> There's more of me to give in the world. Yeah, Yeah, there's more of me. And do you notice this too? So like so often I'll have people, they come to a call, if if this is what they're calling me about, right? Is they're like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up or something like that, right? I want to do something different, but I don't know what. And so very often I'll, they'll say like, I have no idea. And I'll say, well, if you did know, like, let's pretend for a minute that you didn't know what you wanted to do. What do you think that might be? And they like always have an answer. I know. Well, I always thought maybe I'd like to be a writer, but. Yeah, I I love, I actually love that. So it's really, really funny. I, I, I've been doing this work for a long time, right? And I did this work way before I even did it uh, as a coach. So before I started working as a coach, because I kind of wanted different kind of client than the people, than the clients that were referred to me when I um, was uh, contracting with an agency. But. When I contacted with an agency, I'd sit there and people would come in because they, that was their, you know, I was helping them figure out what they wanted to do. And so they would come in and they would say, I don't know what I want to do. I have some ideas, but I'm not going to tell you. 
Ah! So, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell so you. I'll see if what I think is what it is. So written in it in people's minds is someone else is an expert. There's a test. Uh, and uh, I have to figure it out up to the expert knowledge that is written in someone else's head. And I think that's what I love about this work. It's that to, it's really reteaching. It's like this whole unlearning process. Uh-uh. It is no, it's not external. It's not in someone else's head. It's not in a test. It's you. And you have the information. And you, uh, I'm going to help you uncover you. And that's where they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And there's so many clues and signs that we aren't trained. Well, you and I are trained, but we're growing up in the school system or whatever. You're not trained to notice, to pay attention to, you know, like I was just talking to this, uh, he's a senior in high school. So he's seven, almost 18 and he's (laughs) having a little bit of a meltdown. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to be in a suit, stuck in a box, you know, working for the man. I he's like, I'm like, where do you get this idea that that's what being a grown up is all about? I was like, you know, to me, it was so clear. I'm like, you are a competitor, and you are a kinesthete. Like, if it's not moving, if you're not moving, it's not fun for you. So, like, why would you ever put on a suit and go sit in a box when that's not who you are? But Somehow he picked up this idea that that's what the adult world was all about, that it just fit this tiny little mold. And I even pointed out his, he doesn't have any role models in his family who are actually doing that. His dad, you know, coaches tennis, his mom, like she's like works at the beach. Like it's, there's nobody who's sitting in a box and yet he has this idea that that's what growing up is all about. So somewhere we're getting programmed that it's supposed to look a certain way. Social programming. That's the big, that's the big ick. We are programmed. We're programming programmed based on our families, based on where we live, based on our peers, based on our race, based on uh, the amount of money we have. And it comes in through the TV, it comes in through our pores, and it comes in at school. We are programmed about what we're supposed to be and who, who and, and what we're supposed to do. If I always say, like, if we followed in school, right, all the programming that we got, what we would all end up to be, I mean, the pinnacle is university professor. Because we're programmed to be good students, to study more, to then do a a master's degree, then do a PhD. And so we'd all end up being university professors. How many people are really born to be university professors? Like, nobody. (laughs) A small percentage. (laughs) Okay, a small percentage. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so yeah, we're programmed. And the, the thing is, kids, kids don't, nobody teaches anybody Uh, any of this stuff. Nobody teaches them that it's looking inside. But the other thing that that kids aren't taught is that it takes time to actually, you have to actually do stuff as a kid. You know, like first half of your life is often, as, as Carl Jung talked about, is often about, you know, achieving an accomplishment and, and proving that, you know, you're, you can do what you want to do. And the second half of your life 
which starts at around 30, because that's where we were, we're not talking later than that. Okay. The second half of your life is really your, your search for meaning. You're bringing, you're bringing your inside out. So kids, I always say where kids are concerned, to, they need to do stuff, do stuff, uh, learn from what you do. And then you start learning more about, oh, I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I like, don't like that. I had no idea what to do as a young person. I was one of those people who had no idea who I was or what to do. So that's why I probably why I do this work, because I was completely lost. It's like figuring out what you don't like is usually what happens with kids. You know, it's like, and that's the important thing too. Parents, you know, sometimes question like, should I put my kid, you know, should I make him do soccer? Should I make him do scouts? He doesn't really want to whatever. And I think the goal is to figure out what you don't like and what it is about it that you don't like. So if your kid hates school, okay, well, what is it about school that you don't like? And now we've all this experience of online learning. So we can really differentiate, you know, like some kids prefer online learning. Some kids prefer in-person learning. And so everything is an experience that you, is helping gather information to determine what's right for you, right? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want more of? What do you want less of? What do you like about this? What do you like about that? Like, it's all just gathering information. And so I think the more life experiences you can have, like you're saying in your first, you know, through adolescence and childhood, the more information you have. And, and, and young, young adulthood, I'm talking like twenties, twenties is like gathering information. And it's interesting because whenever I talk about, you know, careers or what to do with your life, when you're talking to women who are moms, immediately they're thinking about their kids. And I'm like, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> nope, nope, Actually, we're not talking about, about kids. That. As we're talking, I was like, oh, the moms are listening and they're going to love this because I'm talking yeah, about their kids. Yeah, we're talking about their kids. No, it's not about the kids. It's about you. Because the biggest example you can give to your kids is to be doing something that makes you come alive. And when they see that, they they know it's possible. You know, I have a, a, a 25, 26-year-old son right now, and he's still, he's still a bit lost. And now he's saying to me, finally, after all these years, he's saying, you know what? I want to do what you do. I want to be able to have the kind of work where I, I run my own schedule and I do what I love. And I say to him, I have to work really hard. He said, yeah, I know, but you're working really hard doing what you want to do. And so I'm like, oh, he finally got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay that, that gives me hope. <laughs> 25, 26. It. I'll be looking. Oh my God. <laughs> the question I that I wanted to that you know I wanted your help with answering and so this is a mom just as kind of you were predicting here this is a mom who felt like she found her purpose in being a mom okay so she's got three teenagers now one's going off to college two still at home and she's feeling just the loss and the sadness of this role this stage of her life coming to a close, not being needed anymore. And I think for her, she's saying like, it scares me to think about what's next for me because this felt like my calling. I thought I had found it. And so it's kind of without, not her will that it's coming to an end. And so 
I was wondering what you would suggest for her. Like, where would should she start? Because I do believe, you know, I have a class called Leading Your Teen that is for moms whose teenagers are kind of pushing back and saying, I want independence, leave me alone. Your work here is done kind of thing. <laughs> and one of the things we work on is focusing on ourselves and like, well, what's next for us? Because that takes the pressure off the kid when the child is, or the children are our only source of joy and purpose and meaning, it makes them resist even harder and push away so that they can have their own independence and space. And so part of my leaning your team class is to bring moms back into themselves and kind of create a vision for their future without mothering that gets them excited. And so or with a different kind of mothering. Okay. So why don't you talk to me about that? <laughs> different kind of mothering. So to me, this, this whole thing with, um, with uh, mothers who feel that that's their purpose. I, I completely get that because it's a deep, it's sort of a, a deep connection with who they are. That's not, that's not all mothers, but that is some mothers. So there's two, I see there's like two different aspects of that. There's first of all, the aspect that that's ending. <laughs> Basically there's grief. So I always say, you know, I noticed something you said, but they hadn't cho chose it. it. It happened to them. What I've noticed is that people only make change when something erupts in their lives. And that's why I created this roadmap with the first step is the volcano erupting. So for a mom, yeah, for a mom who whose kids are now going off to college or they're less dependent they're, you know, they can do more stuff. So she, she has all, all the time in the world and they just go to school and they come home and say, what's for dinner? And can you drive me somewhere? <laughs> that the volcano's erupting. She sees the writing on the wall and there's a lot of grief. And so there's daring to decide to actually take the next step, daring to decide to recognize what's ending, to stop being in denial that that is going to stay the same forever. So that's that's actually for me the first step because if you don't take that step, you're still hoping and praying that everything's the same so you're not really putting your heart into what's next. So there's that part that that during to decide to do this to actually I'm going to discover something else. This is ending, I'm going to feel all the feelings, I'm going to notice that. But then Secondly, there's the idea of our callings. So our callings are not a thing or a job or a title. Our callings are a way of being. So maybe her calling, I don't know, we'll have to find out more, but maybe part of her calling is that whole aspect of nurturing that she loves to nurture, or maybe her calling is leadership and organization. Depends on how she does it. I, not every woman who is a mom and a stay-at-home mom does it the same way. Or maybe her calling is more she's she's more of a guide and an advisor with her kids. What she needs to start looking at is what is she really proud of in being a parent? What has she been really proud of? What's been really important to her? Because she wants to discover the values that are really important to her which have gone nowhere. 
And she also wants to know what her qualities have been that have allowed her to do that. Some women, myself, for example, my whole thing about being a parent, it's like what you do is you think of an, uh, an image in your mind, a flash of something you're proud of in being a parent. Mm-hmm. Let's try it with you, Tori. What's something you're proud of in being a parent? Yeah, I was totally thinking about that. You know, for me, it's so clear. So I've got a, a 16-year-old who left at home. I, I have a son in college and um, she's driving now. And I, so I, it's just over. <laughs> I'm done, right? <laughs> and so it really came to a halt. I realized that the thing I missed the most and the thing that I was, I'd say, most proud of is I loved my house being full of children. Mm. I loved creating you know, events for people, birthday parties, hosting their friends. Like I can remember when they were little and just being home alone with my kids, being an extrovert was really draining for me. But even if just one other child showed up on my doorstep, it came to life. Suddenly I'm creative and I'm coming up with ideas, you know, and I'm, I'm a teacher by training, you know, by profession. And so it makes sense to me, but like that, I can get so much more juice out of, you know, planning a sleepover for my daughter's four friends than I can just being home alone with one child. And that's why this COVID pandemic has been so hard because, you know, I love creating experiences for other people. So you just said, you just said the the key point. I'll just stop you right there because you said, what you were proud of was creating experiences for people mm-hmm. and lots of people. So my hunch is that in the, in the, in your daughter now being independent and, and your son being at school, it's well, and COVID, uh, but it's changing Yeah, um, <laughs> that, that the theme here is this creating um, experiences for people people. Tell me if that resonates for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's Something that makes you kind take, of why yeah. I've been, I've said, I'm going to add retreats in, <laughs> start doing in-person retreats. There you go. Because there you go. So it's that, mm-hmm. because that's what I, it's need. that need. Yeah. And it's that, and it sounds like um, my senses, if you, if you really looked at the creating the events for people, including your kids, that there were, there are lots of parts about that, that talk about who you are. So what did you love most about creating those events for kids, for your kids? I mean, I guess I, well, I'm thinking of two different things in my head. So like when it was like parties and game nights and things like that, it was just the energy. I'm an extrovert. I love to be around energy. And one of the things that, you know, the pandemic's been hard for me is I don't get to listen to other kids playing. We have an elementary school that normally is my background noise of kids playing outside and to not have that noise that just fills my soul. Like that's been really hard, you know? And so I just love to be around that kind of energy, I think is what, but then there's the other part of the me hosting things. Like I used to host like a girl's leadership camp in my house and then that's different because that's my creativity. That's my, I get to be, you know, really intuitive and empathic and like tuned into the energy of the group. And even like, I miss public speaking, like everything I did, I can't do during the pandemic (laughs) because except for coaching, thank goodness for, for one-on-one coaching. Cause I do still love that, but just to feel in balance. I need that, that 
group energy and that dynamic and that create creative, intuitive, which I get that from coaching, right? Like that, I feel like I get, I can do one-on-one, but the group energy is the missing piece. And last question about this. What's the most important part of that about hosting things in your house with your kids? Uh, I, well, (laughs) my husband has a nickname for my career as a life coach. He says, I'm a joy pusher, (laughs) kind of like a drug pusher. (laughs) I'm a joy pusher. (laughs) And so I push it on him, on the kids or whatever, but it's like, I feel like that's kind of the essence of what I do is I'm like, yeah, you come to me grumpy, you're leaving here joyful. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So let me tell, just tell you about this exercise. So this exercise is really going through all of the things you love, what's most important to you, what your values are. It has, you notice it comes from you doing something, um, Uh, that you loved or thinking about something that you're proud of with your kids, which everybody does, but everybody's going to be different because everybody is different. There's a different aspect of being a mom that is, is, is really connecting with your soul. That question I asked you, what's most important to you? That speaks to your values. Your value is to be a joy pusher. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I love the fact that you and your husband have talked about that. And what that tells me is that ever anything that you're creating in this period, almost post kids now and forward has to have that theme of being a joy pusher and needs to feel that way for you. It needs to feel like when you say it, if it doesn't feel like joy pusher, forget it. It's not yeah, for you. That's interesting. And the second, think- second part about all of this is that you love it's the energy, hosting things, the creative, intuitive, empathic, and really being around people. So when you talk about retreats, doing retreats, and my suggestion to you is that you do more group coaching, even if it's online, um, because you will be able to do some of that because there's a group energy thing that's significant for you. And I think there's some leadership in there because you didn't say a joy enveloper or a joy haver. You said a joy pusher. I am definitely <laughs> need to be the leader. Yeah. That yeah, comes yeah, here when leader, I'm trying leadership. When someone else is the leader. I just want to like move them aside and be like, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's over. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just deciding and noticing who you are. And so I think with a lot of moms that are in this situation, they haven't done like you know, you just don't have the opportunity to sit up, sit back and think about who am I and what is it about being a mom that was really great for me? And have I actually dared to decide to let that go? And have I accepted that there's going to be a shift? Because you still, you're still a mom, you know, you're still a mom, but you're, you become a mom in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Uh, No, I, cause I think I like the question of like, what are you most proud of? Because I think I, you know, but the other thing about, you know, mothering that I love so much that I miss and I crave is that baby stage. Like I love that like newborn to two years old, but that's not what came to my mind when you asked, what was I most proud of? Right? Like, yes, I miss that like loving nurturing, but, and maybe that's the empathic, also that empathic intuitive. I kind of loved that nonverbal stage, you know, where it was just all empathy and intuition. And 
like I kind of I feel so, feel silly saying this, but I kind of get that from my dog. <laughs> I was just about to say as you were saying this, I was like puppy, puppy, puppy. right? Like that's she have this the same intuitive nonverbal relationship that's <laughs> filled thing. with love and cuddles, and it feels sort of like embarrassing that it's so similar. But like, yeah, so maybe that I, I am getting that. You know, I could, more than I realized that because what came to my mind was the house full of kids. And of course, after COVID, you know, that's, of course, I noticed it that much more. And it took me, I mean, it took me almost a year to, you know, realize it. And like my, I, I started teaching my sex ed class that I used to do in person. I started teaching that online in January and <clears throat> teaching it again in April and then in my group coaching class, I always tell them like, this is the f- my highlight of my week. Like you guys make my day. So yeah, like I think there is definitely that element that I didn't even realize. So is this part of the roadmap that you were talking about? The soul's calling roadmap? Yeah, it is part of the, it is part of the roadmap. So the roadmap is a transition. So one of the things that people don't recognize is that it is actually a transition from one state to another state. And that's what, one of the things I was just going to mention too, in that. Um, the way we do anything is the way we do every everything. And I, I see that at, in how we make transitions. And it's like to acknowledge that this is a transition that you're making. And so you might want to look back at some of your the old transitions you've had. Like, I mean, big stuff, big stuff that's shifted your identity because the shift that a woman who felt that her purpose was raising kids or being a, a mom the shift that she goes through when they that that role isn't needed anymore is a big one. It's a big identity shift. So it's looking at how you've gone through your past transitions because you probably do the same thing. If it takes you a long time, it'll probably take you a long time. <laughs> uh, just an just an aside, right? The way that people make uh, transitions. So I watched my sister make transitions. So she had, you know, two girls uh, who are now in their 30s. And, and she also just retired from teaching because of COVID, same, same sort of thing. So with her two girls, she was like, oh, I'm a mom. And, and how am I going to do this? And she was in agony about the whole thing. When her the youngest daughter moved out, Three days later, she converted the bedroom into a study and she was really, really happy. And so some people, and she did the same thing with being a teacher. She agonized, this is my identity. How am I going to leave this? Interesting. When she left, it was like, oh, okay. I'm now looking into some other kind of work. Voiceover work sounds like fun. So So just like dragging her heels, kicking and screaming. That's her process. Bang. That's right. funny. I was yeah. just talking to this high school senior about that. And, you know, he was talking to his, he, him and his mom. And I said, you know, how was he with transitions when he was a kid? And she's like, oh, terrible. Like he hates the beginning <laughs> of every school year for like at least the first two months. He's miserable. Like as a toddler, like just leaving from the playground to the car was a huge meltdown. So it makes sense that he would be having his little temper tantrum meltdown with this transition from being in high school to being in college, you know? So yeah, there's definitely that theme. Yeah, same with yourself. So when I do the roadmap thing, what I do is there's a to make this transition, and usually I call it the transition to soul, like to your truth, right? Because what we're talking about is the truth of who you are, expressing that in what you do. Generally, there's a volcano that erupts. So, you know, being a mom, your kids leave home or something like that. Daring to decide to actually 
go to the next phase as opposed to try to keep going back to the good old days. Do you have any suggestions on like letting go or helping moms kind of grieve the loss of the, of the children that they had? Well, my question, I always ask, it's a, it's really a, a series of questions, right? What is your soul? What does your soul know must be released? It's, it's, I think there's a whole journaling aspect of that, you know, what is the payoff of not letting go? What is coming? What needs to, you know, what needs to be coming? So a whole bunch of questions I usually ask people in that, in that phase, because it's really, it is a choice. It's a choice that you make and there is grief. And I think that actually being with other people who get it, who don't minimize it, because there's other people that just like, I'm going to drop jump over the grief and into the next phase. And that's not good either because actually the next phase of well, at when you're off the volcano is really digging into your emotions, discovering, you know, unpacking your body wisdom, allowing yourself to release. Do you know how when you, well, for me anyways, when I don't cry or I try not to feel, I just hold everything inside and I never feel any good. But when I actually do cry and do let go and do allow myself to feel and do listen to miserable, sad music and write and journal. I mean, that's what I do, right? I listen to sad music and journal Mm -hmm. and emote. That's what helps me. And so it's it's actually listening to that. And what happens is under under that is you have actually something that's wanting to bubble up because you still have who you are that you're bringing into something else. So it's opening up that space and opening up your programming. A lot for moms, they have a lot of programming about who they're supposed to be and who they're supposed to be as a mom. And that has to be unlearned. And I think that's where we feel comfortable because, you know, we get this message or whatever. It's okay, we're supposed to go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a career, get married, have children, and then nothing. (laughs) It's like, there's no, you know, written script for once kids leave college. And you could kind of look at your parents and be like, well, I guess I should do what they did. But if that wasn't inspiring, that was my situation. It's like, I looked at how my, my parents lived basically the same life after we all moved off to college but without us. And that just looked so boring to me. Like, that did not look like the the next chapter that I wanted. And so I, I felt like, well, there's no script and that there's something sort of scary about like, I don't, nobody's telling me what this chapter is supposed to look like. I kind of have some glimpses of what I don't want it to look like. <laughs> uh, I don't want it for me. I didn't want it to be boring for somebody else. They, I, I've had other moms tell me like, I don't want my kids to think that all I did was just be a mom. Like I want there to be more to me, but they almost use the kid's perspective as a motivation rather than coming from within. Yeah. I figure whatever motivation they have, use it. But the, <laughs> the, the idea here is I love what you said. There is no script. So this is the first time there's no society's programming 
for you. Unless, of course, what you think society's programming is, is to stop dyeing your hair <laughs> and become a grandma. I don't know, which I don't know those people anyway. So I mean, that doesn't exist anymore. So there is no programming. Um, there is no script. You have the freedom. It's like this turnaround freedom to follow my own rules, to create something else for me. That could be incredibly inspiring. And that's where that next step on the roadmap is unlocking your genius, which is not just what you do well and how well you do it. It's also this thread that is written throughout your life that is actually a thread of a core purpose. Like when you said, joy pusher, to me, that's the thread of a core purpose, that joy pusher. And, or, and, it, and it's close to that. And that's what people haven't done, taking a real hard look in the mirror. Who am I? What, um, what is important to me? Um, what's holding me back? And what do I want to overcome? And what do I want to create in my life? And that's the work that I do with a lot of women when I go do with that on retreats and to unlock their unique genius, uh, which has been in a prison pretty much because they've been looking after other people, which has been really great, you know, to get out of a prison and then think, even if you don't think it's a prison, but to, to then say, oh, no, I, I, want, I need somebody to tell me. No, you don't. No, you don't. And so it's, it's here where we create something. And I think that there's, I just think the world needs so many women who have empathy and compassion and care about people. And when I first started this, doing this work, mainly with women, most of my clients were 42. I was like, oh, how old are you? Oh, 42 year old. How funny, funny, yeah. 42 year old women, because their kids are just getting independent. And they just started to say, what am I going to do? How am I going to, is my role just being a mom? Even though being a mom is amazing, I want something, what else? What else is there? And so there's a lot of unraveling. A lot of the work to figure out what you want to do and who you want to be is unraveling all the ways you've been tied up into a role that somebody else assigned to you. And to keeping all the good and then letting go of what no longer serves you. And I think we can define how we are mothers in so many different ways. Like, you know, people start out in different points. When I, I remember when I had my son a long time ago, when I had my son, I remember thinking before I had him that I had to have a good idea about who I was. I don't know how I was so wise, to be honest. <laughs> I had to have a good idea how, about who I was or else I would lose myself in his life. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have a life because I knew that I was really empathic. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to know myself better. And I think for a lot of women, it's that it's that's the starting point when their kids are leaving home or need them less. It's like, okay, who am I when I'm not a mom? Or when I'm not, that's not my primary role. Mm-hmm. Who am I as a person? And I think your kids appreciate that. And I think it's okay to for it to be scary. You know, like you're saying, like mm-hmm. even if you get released from prison, there's still this, there is a little fear with freedom. 
You know, when you're used to being confined and being told when you eat three meals a day and where to go and to do that, even though it's a positive thing, it still feels a little daunting and a little untethered <laughs> and that's okay. Oh, absolutely. It's supposed to feel absolutely good, but it's still, it's a, you know, often we, when we feel scared, we think it's bad. And this is that kind of fear where it's like, yeah, it feels weird and unfamiliar to think about yourself first and, you know, <laughs> to, to not know what's next for you. And my son, I was talking about my next chapter and what I want to create next. And he started calling it my 10 year plan. I was like, Oh, I like that. <laughs> we have a 10 year plan. He's like, cause 10 years from now, you know, I might have kids and you might want to, you know, live close to me. I'm like, yes, I would want to be grandma. And uh-huh. so, uh, I was like, Oh, I like that. It's my 10 year plan. But so that even just gave it enough kind of concrete structure that made me not feel so untethered and free. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I wanted, Oh yeah. Some kind of like, okay, this is just a 10 year window of time where I get to create what I want to create, be myself, you know, do me discover my, you know, inner genius, whatever. And somehow that container helped it feel. Yeah. Manageable. I, I read, yeah, I read the science fiction book years ago. Never remember what it was. It was a series of science fiction books, and by a, a woman author. I think I read one of them when I was pregnant. Honestly, it was like I was reading all this wild stuff when I was pregnant. And so, what they had was they had a ten-year agreement. So they had a ten-year agreement in marriages uh, in this female society, so that you're with each other for ten years, and then when you have kids, you 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 decide every ten years that you're going to stick together for another 10 years and you make it a conscious decision. And I felt like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it's in the same same vein of like looking at a period of time in your life and saying, okay, this is what this period is. Mm-hmm. So that period when you're in transition from, you know, you're still a parent, your kids might be home, still home, or one of them is still home. But you see that there's a period of time that's coming where this is shifting. That's a great time to do this stuff, to say, okay, I'm still here, but I'm going to take a look. And I want to look at this. And I want to look at this with other people and and see what who I am and see what I really want and go through the unlearning that I may need to do of, you know, letting go of that role and shifting it to something something else. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I love that idea of the 10-year plan or the 10-year framework that gives you, it just feels safer. Yeah. And I like the idea too of doing it in community with other women who are also doing it because I think for a lot of like what I see in my clients is that they have a lot of shame around the fact that they don't know that they've lost themselves, that they don't know what they want, that they don't know what's next for them. They feel embarrassed by it. And, you know, you, we, and I don't see that. <laughs> like, we're like, yeah, that's because you talk to so many people all day long who feel the same. We're like, yeah, you, you and everybody else, you know? So it's like, what's going to be ashamed about when this is so normal, but to them, they feel like I should know, or, or I don't know. They, they get up and let's put it this way. Everybody loses themselves. Mm. everybody loses themselves. Everybody doesn't know what they want. People who had professions before realize no way 
I, I thank God I have had kids. That was me. I was like, thank God I get maternity leave because I don't have to go back to this job. <laughs> An excuse, right? <laughs> it was actually having my son, which said, yes, it's time. Do what you want. Because I never, I thought, oh, how could I leave my my child with a babysitter and, and go to a job I hated because I had to work. So I think that everybody feels lost. Um, everybody has no idea. The big myth is that we know what we want and we have a plan and we know where we're going to go. And that it's not going to change. <laughs> and it's not going to change. We have no idea. Look at COVID. I have so many clients now and people that I've talked to who, because of COVID, they lost their jobs, especially if they're in the entertainment industry or public relations and things like that, where there is no work, right? Yeah. Uh, for, and and what has happened is for them, they've taken that as, oh, I can really explore what I really want. So I see the same thing with moms. I see, it's like you, you're, you're being, it's taken away from you in a, in a sense that you don't really want it to be taken away because it's, it's such a comforting role. I'm speaking for myself. I love. Yeah, it's fulfilling. Love. You feel needed. You feel purposeful. You know, people are counting on you. It, it fill, checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. And in the same time, when you know that's taken away from you, it gives you this opportunity to say, huh, wonder what else I could do. And to explore it and to have fun in the exploration. So it's the having fun in the exploration and recognizing that you're not alone because you're not. You really are. You are not alone. It's a difficult time and uh, and it's more fun to do together. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I and so I know you sent me a link. That I'm going to include in the show notes about the uh, a free training for the Souls Common yeah. Roadmap course. Yeah, so I have a free training. It's really going through this roadmap that I've been talking about. It's a visual and it looks like a it's it's looks like play. It looks like fun. It looks like child's play. That's what I wanted it to look like so that it didn't look like it was incredibly serious. So there's a free training and you can download the roadmap when you get that training. So um it will just sort of explain this whole transition from loss and meaninglessness to discovering a new purpose. That's the whole point of that free training. So it might be something that's interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know you've got in the past before COVID, we're doing retreats. So I yes. look forward to hearing when that's going to reemerge. And Me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's right up my alley these days, Me I love too. About retreats. And um, yeah, so I just want to thank you so much. I think this has been really valuable. And yeah, it, you know, COVID has brought a lot of this stuff up to the surface for a lot of people. Like you're saying, their industries just changed or, you know, like they were a teacher and they don't like teaching online, you know, where the, it just shifted so much. And so, you know, kind of having that uh, as we're coming to an end here with this pandemic, please, please, please happen quickly that, you know, to use it as an opportunity to kind of go within, rediscover what your soul's calling is and who make sure that you're being the person that you want to be in any stage any 10-year phase of your life <laughs> exactly thank you yeah. so much Bev thanks so much Tori it's been really fun want a free life coaching session 
Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.